Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. God, I'm so grateful and thankful to be counted worthy to be a preacher of the gospel. I had no clue when I was a child that this would be my vocation and how I love to. So God, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you, I know you've already gone before me. Holy Spirit, I know that everyone here is here for a purpose. And I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would prepare the hearts and that you would help me to release the word that you've given me. I need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. So we just, uh, we just got back from um, this conference that we were at in Pensacola, Florida for um, since Wednesday. Wednesday we got there. And this conference, um, how many here have, has heard of the Brownsville Revival? It was called. Okay, so just a handful, right? So in, in 1995, 95, right, until 2000, about five years, on Father's Day, speaking of the Father, on Father's Day of 1995, in a service in Brownsville in Pensacola, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and for five years straight, they had nightly services. That that is just beyond me. I mean, because see, now before, before I was in ministry, I would look at it as like, oh my God, that's so awesome. Now that I'm in ministry and I'd be one of the ones leading it, I'm like, what? Every day? I'm thinking from a different perspective, like, God, how do we do that and still live? Are you going to like give us strength? Because I know even some others that have gone through revivals and they, they're, they're dealing with some physical things in their body and whatnot. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's, that's crazy. And um, so anyway, we, we go over to this, um, to this conference. And I don't, I don't want to go into the whole conference. I, I have a word for the Lord, from the Lord. Um, but it was, just, it was just so good. And, and as it relates because... You know, we've been talking about reach up, reach forward, and reach out, right? We've been talking about the vision of the church, and um, Donnie's so good with coming up with these catchphrases like that that are catchy but have meaning. And so for the past few weeks, he's been talking about reach out, evangelism, and, and reaching out, and, and going out of the four walls, and being a person that loves others and whatnot. And, and, and the overlaying theme right now in the body of Christ is this reach out message. It's a message of evangelism. It's a message of going out. It's a message of being Jesus to others. And the thing and the perspective that I want to change is that a lot of times we hear that word and some of us are so churched, right? Some of us have been around for so long that we hear evangelism and we think, oh, no, that, that's not me. That's, I'm not called to evangelize. I'm, I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom, or, or I'm, I'm, a, I'm a marketplace guy, or, or, or I'll teach, but I'm not, I'm not called to evangelize. And while, while it's true that there's an office of an evangelist, and it's more of like a traveling minister who God opens doors, someone like a Reinhard Bunke, the German guy, if, if, if any of you know who he is, 78 million 
people recorded. That's not just uh, this um, exaggerative number. I heard that Reinhard Bunk is a guy that cannot stand exaggeration. And I heard a quote from him and I was like, yes, amen. He goes, exaggeration is just another form of lying. And I'm like, thank you, because I have seen a lot of exaggeration before, and it just quenches my, my spirit and my conscience, because I'm like, guys, no, let's not well, there's no need to exaggerate a move of God. It, it's either real or it's not. And so, but these numbers that I'm telling you, it's 78 million recorded, plugged-in people have come into the kingdom from an evangelist like Reinhard Bunke, and you have Daniel Kalenda, who's, who's his successor. And so, yes, they are evangelists, but here's what I want to say, and I'm going to get into John chapter 4 here in a second. Here's what I want to say is that evangelism, it, all it really is when I'm, when I'm talking about it is the perspective of you just when you encounter Jesus, you cannot help but share who he is. Like, you really can't. And, and I'll be the first to say I don't have it all together in this arena. Like, there are times that I've, that I've stepped out in public to random people that I don't know, and there's many more times that I haven't. I don't know if you guys remember even Kelly's message. Uh, it was at the old building where she was talking about the inner turmoil that she has faced before because she gets discernment and she knows that this person needs and this person. And then she almost, she feels bad. And I'm like, God, I know exactly what that's like. So many times I'm, or, or I haven't stepped out yet to just tell someone when I'm grocery shopping about the Lord. And, and there's certain times where I'm like, Dang, I should have said something. And, and, and you know, if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll let that kind of beat me up, and that's not the purpose. Um, but it's, just to give it a little analogy, like think about this, guys. How many of you have eaten at a really good restaurant and can't help but tell everyone about it? I mean, it happens easy all the time. Like when I eat something good, like Donnie, we were just talking about, just came, we were just talking to your brother about the avocado things at BJ's, you know, the appetizers we get, babe, the avocado roll. And they're so good. And we're like, dude, you haven't been, these avocado rolls are so good. And we're passionate about avocado rolls. And it's simply because they're so good that we just naturally have to tell someone. So the difference is when we encounter Jesus, we will naturally, if we're really encountering him, not religion, if we're really encountering him, not church, we will by default tell people about him. How many times do we evangelize for a movie? Infinity War. Is that the, no, wait. Endgame. Sorry, that's the latest one. I mean, all these, all, all the Marvel movies I like and, and, you know, everyone, oh my God, Endgame is so good and da-da-da-da-da-da. And we so easily evangelize for these things and we don't realize it. And it's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm, I'm giving an example of how you don't, and you're going to see, I'm going to read. It's going to be a lot of reading, but I'm going to pause and just share my heart on how in John chapter 4, it's a story about Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. So just to give a little bit of context on it, um, from my understanding, this was almost like, so the Samaritan people and the Jewish people did not speak, and it was almost like another form of racism that was going on. It was a form of racism that was going on, and you have Jesus traveling, and he stops at this well, and a, a Samaritan woman comes to, to draw water, and he begins to speak to her. And you're going to see what happens in the story. If you would, um, we won't have it on the screen. I apologize for that. But if you would, John chapter 4. And if you have the Bible app, the Passion Translation is in the Bible app. I'm going to be reading out of that translation um, because I just love how 
Um, it's worded there. It's so good. So TPT is the trash, oh, the passion, oh, the trash, it's not the trash, the passion translation. <laughs> Tongue twisted, the trash translation, wow. The passion translation, <laughs> it's one of the best translations. And so um, I'm just going to read here, okay? Just go with me. Soon the news reached the Jewish religious leaders, known as the Pharisees, that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John. Although Jesus didn't baptize, but he had his disciples baptize the people. Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaritan territory. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar. I don't know how to pronounce that. Okay. <laughs> Near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now, I'm going to pause right there. Another thing that, you know, speaking of reach out, I was thinking on, um, by the way, this, this message I really believe is for now, and here's why. God changed my message last minute within the past just few days. And for a person like me, you know, Donnie already explained what happened to me the first time. I was even more nervous to share today because I'm like, Lord, you're changing my message. And I knew it would come sooner or later. Being a preacher, I knew it would come that God would change my message. And I told Donnie this morning, I said, man, it was just this morning where I started to feel uh, articulation for it. Even going to sleep last night, I'm, I'm like, I don't really know what I'm going to say. I don't know. I mean, I, I knew a little bit, but... This morning, and, and I told Donnie, I said, you watch, the next time God's going to wait until moments before I go up to give me articulation because he's stretching me. Um, but so this woman at the well, so that's what I'm, so we were, we were talking about reach up, reach forward, reach out. And I was thinking of before I had something else to share. And then every time I went to study, I just, I just felt a lock. I felt like a brass ceiling, like, and I couldn't dig in any longer. And then I'm reading, I've been reading um, John chapter 4 for the past couple weeks, maybe here and there. And this jumped out of my heart. John, like, you know how there's different titles above the scripture? And they're, they're, they're man-given. They're not really, um, they weren't there to begin with. But still, like in, in the Passion Translation, I love it. He puts uh, right at the top of John 4, a thirsty Savior, which is like explaining how when Jesus told, which I'll get into the story, when Jesus told the Samaritan woman to give me a drink of water, he was, he was sharing his, his hunger and his thirst for her. And so the thing, the title that came to me was the God who reaches out. And this whole scripture is about the God who reaches out, this whole passage, to where sometimes it's easy, especially as a minister of the gospel, it's easy to think that we're the ones Grabbing onto God's arm and begging him, saying, God, would you please do this already? When really it's his desire that all flesh be saved. Like God wants revival more than we do. God wants people healed more than we do. There's something that we don't see in the time that doesn't bring it to pass. And God, if we were just continue to just come, in, come to him, even like Pastor Donnie was saying this morning, weren't you saying like, come to the table, continue to come to the table and when we realize that God is the one that initiates this thing, I still remember another, another phrase that came to my mind was the divine appointment. That God had a divine appointment with a woman 
from the well who he wasn't even supposed to be talking to. And I still remember my divine appointment as a 12-year-old boy falling asleep in the middle of a service when my heart was pounding when a preacher who was actually a friend of the family called us up to receive Jesus. I wept at the front altar not even having a clue what was going on, but I felt the love of God all over me. 12 years old, I'm weeping, and I knew, I knew I was born again. I didn't have language for it. And then for years, I just fell away and backslid because I had no one to, to lead me at all. You go into the high school scene and forget it. The high school scene, I was just gone. And I can't even imagine what high schoolers now go through. I can't even imagine. Sometimes we make jokes. I'm like, would I even be able to, like, this is just a whole different generation and the electronics and the stuff. I didn't have a phone until, like, and, and we had, anybody remember the Nokia with the snake game? That was, like, the best game ever, man. That's the only game we had, the snake. Try to get that snake as big as you could with the little Nokias. And that's what we had, you know. I had a pager at one time. I'm not, I'm not trying to act like I'm all old or nothing. I'm only 33, but still, I, I remember, like, I didn't have a phone that can do anything I kind of like miss those days sometimes. They were so less distracting. My mind was freer, right? I mean, God, thank God for technology. We need it. But sometimes, geez, it can be so distracting and quite frankly, just life sucking. Like literally, like sucks the life out of you. And so the divine appointment and what I was saying is God has a divine appointment for everyone. Everyone, maybe some of you can recall your divine appointment. And if you haven't had one, you will have one. And then I remember at 18, I'm working at Publix, and my divine appointment happens again. I graduate high school, I'm, I'm working, and all of a sudden, and I don't know what it is at that time, the spirit of conviction hits me. And I start crying at church. I mean, not church, at work. And before, before my life in God, I wasn't much of a crier. I, I, didn't, I didn't cry as a, as, a, as, a, as a teenager and as a young adult. I, I didn't cry a whole lot. And I still remember my sister, she's here. She, I know she remembers the day that I call her up that night and, I, and I'm crying on the phone and she's freaking out because she's saying, Mo, you don't cry. What's going on? She's thinking something different. And I'm just like, just, just call me later. And, and, and that was my, I don't want to get into my whole testimony now, but that was my divine appointment that God met with me. And in this scripture, God is having a divine appointment with the Samaritan woman. And I want you to see what happened. So the Samaritan woman came and Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. I am in verse uh, nine now, uh, John chapter four, verse nine. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? So again, she's confused because she's like, you guys don't speak to us. Why, why are you asking me for water? And something that my wife pointed out to me, and I said, man, that's, that's so good, baby. So many people feel like that on the inside. Why would God want anything to do with me? Why would God reach out to me? And they're stuck in this shame for whatever it is they're going through. And it's the enemy. It's the devil, the one that constantly lies in our heads and tells us that we can't come to God. I love Jesus' reply. It says, if you only knew who I am. And that's what God says to us. If you only, like this is, so there's two perspectives from here that I want us to think about as we go. There's the perspective of being on the receiving end 
from encountering Jesus and God reaching out to us. And then there's also the perspective of Jesus as he is, so are we in this world, the example of how we reach out. Because you never, ever, when reaching out, we plan to do evangelistic things and all that, or even if it's not something organized yet, even when you're, when you're out and about and you want to tell somebody about God, our job is not to call out people's sin in a negative way. Our job is not to, uh, 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 like, like I used to hear Mike Bickles say, we <laughs> hang people over hell on a rotten stick, you know, <laughs> like just with this fierceness and just being mean, quite frank, you know, that's not our job. And Jesus is saying, if you only knew, if you only knew who I was, you would ask me, but you're not asking me because you don't know who I am and what I'm like. If you, and then it goes even farther. You'd ask me for a drink and I would give to you living water. Jesus is saying, if you knew who I was, you would ask me and oh, how I long to give it to you. I long to give you living water. I long to give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket. It's funny as we continue because she, everything at this point is going over her head. He's talking to her about her soul and, and, and her life and he's wanting to save her and he's, he's peering into her. He's wanting to show who he is and it's going over her head. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks from the living water that I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back to, to here to draw water again. It's going over her head. She's like a little bit of sarcasm. Shoo, give me some of that water so I don't have to keep coming back to this well and working so hard. <laughs> She's not getting it. And so Jesus is like, okay, okay, all right, I got to go a little bit farther here. <laughs> go back and get your husband and bring him here. She's like, but I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and you're now living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. Gets this word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is basically something you didn't know before and it's now revealed because Jesus, yes, he was God, but he walked walk this earth and he the word says that he only did what he saw the Father doing. It says that he, he was... Um, he, everything that Jesus did was in right relationship with God, and it was through the Holy Spirit. So he was a man. Like he was a man. He set aside his, his godly attribute, all that, and he was a man. So what I'm saying is he used the same Holy Spirit that you and I have if you're born again. And, and, and because of his relationship with the Father and Holy Spirit, he can hear these things. He was always hearing. Hearing. I mean, imagine you being a room with a guy that he can hear and read your thoughts. Like that's intense. Like so many times in, in scripture, they would just think something and he'd be like, is that so? <laughs> 
he'd be like, well, let me just tell you this. And it's so funny. And Jesus had this gift in the Holy Spirit. It was clear word of knowledge. He gets his word of knowledge. The woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me this. Why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain? But your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship. But Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience. And, from, and it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worship. Think of the language. The Father longs for relationship with people. He longs for relationship with us. I got to keep going because this whole, this whole, I don't, this whole, pa- this whole uh, passage here is just so good. So let me fast forward a little bit. So then the woman said, this is all so confusing. <laughs> this is all so confusing. But I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here with you. I am the one you're looking for. He's saying, woman, you've looked for your identity. You've tried to find, you've tried to satisfy this thirst in the opposite sex. You've been married five times. You're with another man. There's there's no condemnation in this. This is not what that's about. God's trying to show her something. I am the one that you're looking for. I'm the only one that provides you with living water. Because, see, you're going to do all these other things, and you're always going to be thirsty. He's telling telling this woman, you've been married this many times, and you think somehow that another man is going to bring you satisfaction, and it's not. You know, the reason why I believe that me and Melanie, why our marriage has been so great, honestly, like we've been married 12 years, and, and I don't say this boastfully, and this is, this is humble, God knows my heart. We've never been on thin ice, we've never been, and again, this is not about to condemn anyone that was, I'm just grateful. But I believe that it's because her and I both know we can't give each other what only God can. Like... I'm so serious. I'm like, I thank God for my wife so much. And I'm like, she, I have the, the most amazing wife. I really do. But I love her heart for Jesus. And, she, and what happens is, and I didn't even mean to share any of this, but what happens is we put these false expectations on people, even in something like marriage. And we think just because they're our spouse, we think that that. They have, to, and it, they have to somehow supply our need because, well, they're our spouse. And what happens is we've grown up in a Hollywood fantasy, and that is not the way it works. So, so me and Melanie, the, our relationship is with Jesus. And so since we're so satisfied in God, we give each other... We give each other what God already satisfies. And the relationship is awesome. And it results in an amazing family. Not a perfect family, but an amazing family. 
Maybe that's for someone. I don't know. I never intended to, to speak that. But I just, the point of it is, is he's the one that we're looking for. And he's the one that reaches out. The God that reaches out. I love what, I think it was, uh, yeah, A.W. Tozer. Um, he said, before man pursues God, God must first pursue the man. Even though we think, you know, sometimes we think it was our idea, and it's not. It's always God's idea. If, if, if you have this thought, man, I wanna, I wanna be closer to God. I'd love to be closer to God. That's, that's him saying, you don't under, I want you to be closer to me than you can even fathom. I gave my life for you. I sent my son for you. I rose for you. I sent my spirit in you. I want to keep going. We're almost done. Check this out. He tells her, I'm the one you're looking for. At that moment, oh, no, yeah. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. Here it is. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar. Okay? The jar she's been working hard to get. She drops it and ran off to her village and told everyone. Evangelism. She becomes the first, I don't know if she was the first, but one of the first, evangelist for Jesus, simply because of an encounter that she has with him. An encounter that she has with Jesus and all of a sudden, she is telling everyone about him. She has no degrees. She has no prior teaching. She just knows, I just got touched by God. He loves me. He told me everything. And watch, let's keep going because there's more I want to I wanna, I wanna, uh, finish with this. Come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. So she calls out and the people actually come. Then the disciples began to assist that Jesus eat some food. Saying, teacher, you must eat something. But Jesus told them, don't worry about me. I've eaten a meal you don't know about. Puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss among themselves. This is funny. Puzzled by this. Did somebody already bring him food? Where did he get his food from? <laughs> then Jesus spoke up and said, My food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and to bring it to completion. I want to skip for the sake of time. He begins to tell them that the harvest is ripe. It's ready. So down in verse 39, you can actually stand. We're, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up here in a few minutes. Down in verse 39, he says, So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Did you catch that? I know we all just stood up and stuff. It says that there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because simply of the woman's testimony. That he told me, but here, here's what I love. They, so they beg him to stay. And so he ends up staying with them a couple more days. Then the Samaritan said to the woman, we no longer believe of, 
we no longer believe just because of what you told us, but now we've heard him ourselves and are convinced that he really is the true savior of the world. They go from a place of believing because of someone else that gets them in. They hear him themselves relationship they hear them themselves they encounter him themselves and they go from believing to convinced i'm convinced that this is the man that we've been waiting for the anointed one the savior of the world and that's what has to happen for all of us before us at ascension thanks so much for joining us we hope this message impacted you today if you'd like to support ascension christian center simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.